kitties. It's your old pal, John Kassir, the voice of the Crypt Keeper. And you're listening to The Bottom Shelf. <laughs> All right, hey guys, I got a movie for us to watch. Anybody wants to watch a movie, got a movie. Got a video game movie. Like movies. Yeah, good. Um, what we got uh, in there today? It's a video game movie because we love oh. video game movies so much, and it's a horror one, and I know John gets all giddy and excited and all kinds of weird moods for horror things. Wait, so horror video game. Did you bring in Alone in the Dark, bro? No, not this time. Is not this time. One? No, but I got Resident Evil. Oh, Dude. Resident Evil for reals? That's... Yes, because there every Resident Evil was inside a dumpster, and I was like, "What is better than starting with the first? I just want so... to go on record as saying that that is a video game movie in title alone. It has nothing to do with the video game franchise. I've never played it. Let's find out though. Well, that's a good thing because we're watching movies, not playing video games. Prepare yourself to discover a world of terrible movies. High above the planet Geekery, a group of intrepid explorers hover over the dangerous planet in their fabulous super-orbital spacecraft. Their mission? To conduct a complete analysis of movies known throughout the universe as terrible. So grab your space popcorn, grab your freeze-dried ice cream, and join us for today's mission of Discovery and Wanda. Are these movies better than the galaxy thinks? Or do they really belong on the bottom shelf? Good evening, Bottom Shelfers. Welcome to the Bottom Shelf, the podcast where every movie has a spot. I am Dallas. We're so glad to have you guys here for this uh, journey through another terrible film. Uh, Bottom Shelf, of course, is part of the Geek Devotions Podcast Network. The network of podcasts are devoted to letting you know that you're loved. So if you don't listen past this portion of this, we love you. We care about you. There is a plan and a purpose for your life. Let me introduce you to our wonderful cast and crew, a bunch of colorful actors. Uh, first up, we have the Irishman himself, Mr. Joshua Burnham. Hi. How you doing, buddy? I'm okay. How about you? I am so excited about today, buddy. I'm glad you're excited for this. <laughs> this is going to be fun. And yeah, then let's also see with if me, someone else is huh? just. Let's see if someone else is just as excited for this. <laughs> okay, I take that as a no. Because <laughs> we needed that for uh, for Mario Brothers movie. Hey, we also got with us, uh, Mister. Dual rear wheel himself. Dual rear wheel. <laughs> John, how are you? How you doing, buddy? Uh, D- Dallas was having his own shampoo commercial during the theme song. There, it was. It was <laughs> quite entertaining. You had your hair. You had your hair cocked to the side for a brief moment, and you look like you. Uh-huh. You look like you were a member of a 1980s new wave band, and I was. I was <laughs> feeling it. I could just see you like, don't, don't you want me? <laughs> Oh my gosh. Well, the real question is, do we want this movie we're about to watch? Kevin, um, tell us a bit about the movie we got going on here. 
It's Resident Evil. What else is it to describe about it? Um, I don't know. You said that you something about um, okay. it was a movie about a video game. I'm, I'm, I clearly I'm the only person on board the ship today that's going to be excited about this. Uh, no, no, I'm I'm a little excited about it, mind you. I'm just I yeah. just resent that people try to say that it's based off a video game because it really isn't. It has elements of the video game, but it has nothing to do with any of the video games. Well, the movie Capcom threw money at it and it's like, here, do it. So they the, got the title. Yeah, but the, the, here's the thing, though. The movies do hold a special spot for me. I have all of them on Blu-ray, so I'm. Wow. I'm ready to go. Well, we get any taglines for him, John? Uh, well, yeah. As soon as I pull them up, uh, there's only two. There's only two taglines. Uh, one, we have a. Uh, You're all going to die of boredom down here. <laughs> uh, which there's a tag, yeah. And then uh, <laughs> not the PS1 Resident Evil, which I think we have discussed that in length already on this episode that this is not <laughs> the video game or any well if it's not the if it's not the video game kevin what is this movie can you read the box for us yes on the front it says a secret experiment a deadly virus a fatal mistake on the back right here it says from tony timpone from fangari magazine says it's a slick sexy and scary show Andy Jones from E Online. Wow, that's dating something when you guys say something's online. <laughs> a killer thriller. <laughs> it's like, oh, really? Where else is it from? <laughs> okay, so this film, it is written and directed by Paul, not Wes Anderson from Mortal Kombat, Event Horizon, Death Race movie series, and Alien vs. Predator. It is starring a Swedish blank-faced model, Mila Jakovic. Always holding her farts in Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> <laughs> Eric, maybe it's, it's Maybelline. Maybe it's Maybelline. Martin Cruz. Colin, I'm too cool for Sushi Salmon. And James Purefoy. Music is done by Alice Cooper, wannabe Marilyn Manson, and Marco Polo Beltrami. If you want to know who Polo uh, Marco Beltrami is, he did the music for Scream series. It says it's rated R for sci-fi, horror, violence, language, and brief sexuality and nudity. It is one hour and 41 minutes long. So let's get to the description on the back of this lovely VHS because it's only about three paragraphs long. I mean, if you just read it, we don't have to watch the movie. <laughs> let's, 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 let's get through this thing, Mike. Something rotten is brewing beneath the industrial mecca known as Raccoon City. Unknown to the millions of residents, a huge underground bioengineering facility known as The Hive has accidentally unleashed the deadly and mutating T-Virus, killing all of its employees. To contain and leak, the governing supercomputer Red Queen has sealed all entrances and exits. Now a team of highly trained super commandos, including Rain, Alice, and Matt, must race to penetrate the hive in order to isolate the T-Virus before it overwhelms humanity. To do so, they must get past the Red Queen's defenses, face the flesh-eating undead employees, fight killer mutant dogs, and battle the liquor. Wait. <clears throat> it's an alcoholic anonymous movie? Battle of the liquor. I take it. I take it that this movie didn't go over well in in Ireland. Then, 
A genetic... <laughs> A genetically mutated savage beast whose strength increases with each slain victims based on the wildly popular video game phenomenon and featuring state-of-the-art jaw-dropping visual effects from the mind writer-director Paul W.S. Anderson comes Resident Evil. A science fiction thrill ride that will keep you hanging on the edge of your seat. All right. Well... So we're watching this movie today. I'm excited about this for a various the liquor, reasons. How can you take that serious? <laughs> <laughs> to be, f- well, I can't go there because technically we haven't watched this movie yet. So I'm putting this out there. I've watched this movie before many times. Okay, over the years. I have. I remember. I have too. And I'm, just, and I'm just saying they don't actually call it the liquor in this movie. So <laughs> yeah. So but so here's the deal. As of the recording of this episode, I've not played maybe more than 10 minutes of the first Resident Evil from PlayStation 1 and then uh, a few minutes of of, uh, place of the uh, Resident Evil 2 remake. And so what we're doing here is hopefully by the time this releases, um, we'll be on the road of us preparing to do a crossover episode with Casual Gamer Society, uh, where myself, John, and uh, Dave over there will be talking about Resident Evil 2 the remake um and because it's my understanding a lot of the hate comes from people who played the original games and uh they're like this is not the same thing this is my first this is my exposure to resident evil like this is my first when first is look it at it ever the same thing for books for comic books for music <laughs> for games for anything <laughs> under the sun movies are separate media form mm-hmm. exactly it will so, always but- be a separate media form always but um but so let's talk about some trivia about this particular film uh i found this interesting uh in japan the games itself were called biohazard originally Mm -hmm. and one of the guys who actually did a live action uh resident evil commercial for the game was actually asked to do a script for this movie originally and they tossed it out because it was too scared too scary the backers were afraid that it would get an NC-17 rating because of all the gore and horror base of it was. Um, the only reason Paul Anderson got this job was because of the widely successful Mortal Kombat film. So successful. Which that, we talked about on the show. So successful, it still enjoyed these years later. Yeah. So many years later. Which, I mean, don't get me wrong. I can see why they would jump on that. Um Alice was originally going to be a more defenseless character in this movie, but uh, Mila pushed for the script to be rewritten to make her a stronger character so she could uh, compliment Rain and the other characters a little better. Good. Instead of just being like, oh, no. Good on her. We don't need more, oh, I'm a woman, so I can't defend myself characters. (laughs) Yeah, because how many times have we seen a damsel in distress about like a million freaking times? Right. I I support that decision. I do too. Same. I appreciate it. I, I think the whole world will support this. Like, yes, please. Yeah. Uh, the film was meant to be a prequel to the games. This is the interesting aspect. When they were writing this, they didn't, they, they, they were cognitive enough of if we did a movie, we would tick off all the fan base. So they wanted it to be more of a prequel and not I'm, a remake of the first I'm going to just outright call that a lie. And not, not, not from you, <laughs> not from you, yeah. but from the mm-hmm. studio. I'm going to call that a lie. Um, wow. we, we have already established that we have seen this movie, or, or at least yeah. 
Dallas and I have seen this movie. I've seen this movie from backgrounds, and there was someone who I used to have been roommates with. So, watch this movie like non freaking stop, and they thought it was the greatest thing ever made besides that other, what was it? Saw movie series. I'm like, oh god. Okay, but here's the thing though the where this movie ends. And I'm not, Mm -hmm. this is only spoilers for people who are familiar with the video games. Where this movie ends is where Resident Evil 3 picks up. Really? So, to say, oh, this was a prequel is a dirty lie. A dirty Hmm. lie told by liars who tell lying lies. We'll talk a little bit about that when we get into the whole thing. Uh, Originally, Alice in Wonderland was supposed to be a uh, sub-theme for the film, uh, but it was scrapped out. Uh, Mila redubbed the entire film because when she did it originally, uh, she used her natural voice and she hated the way she sounded. So she recorded her lines for the entirety of the film to give her voice a, a, a deeper tone. See, I would have liked to see her play as uh, Lilu in this movie. I, I half expect her to say Corbin Dallas multipass so many times in this <laughs> film. Uh, Everyone involved in the film, this is an interesting aspect that I think John's going to call BS on again. Everyone in the film was required to play at least some portions of the game to have an idea of what was happening with the original source material. No, I, I could so I could see that. I mean, if you're if you're walking into this movie and it, even even though this movie uses elements of the what the game instead of being directly based off of the game itself. Um mm-hmm. I believe that under having some kind of understanding as to the content would be helpful. And, and, and you can see that in there. Like they, they understand, you can tell that the actors understand the characters that they're supposed to be playing. Yeah. So we have, so, or at least from my memory, cause we haven't sat down and watched this reading, re- reading yeah. what Paul W S Anderson does. I wouldn't be surprised. He actually did that because there's so many actors that actually mention they don't play video games. They don't care about yeah. video games, but he's like, he made them watch at least um, and played parts of the game. And they were like, mm-hmm. do I have to do this? I'm just in a movie. <laughs> I'm acting. I'm not a video game player. So, yeah. I respect that at least. So, well, what are our expectations? Well, first off, before us doing this podcast, when was the last time you guys watched this movie? For me, it's probably been maybe four years since I've watched this movie. John, how about oh, I you? watch the entire series on a yearly basis. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay, so this is going to be fresh for you. How about you, Kevin? Since 2009. Wow. That's oddly specific, Kevo. Did something happen in 2009 where you were just like, That's like never PTSD again? Because <laughs> I left the place where I stayed at, where these people ah, watch these movies all of the time. That makes sense. <laughs> all well, the- of the time. <laughs> You know, Kevin, if they you had want to call a my shrine sister and have dedicated her do a to this. A shrine? Wow. <laughs> All right, Kevin, what are your expectations for today's viewing? It will suck. Wow. I feel like you're speaking from personal experience rather than allowing the movie to speak for itself. It sucks. <laughs> There's some BTS here. All right, uh, John. Yeah. What are your expectations? Oh, I'm I'm gonna enjoy it for the schlocky goodness that is. Don't get me wrong; I I don't expect it to be a great movie or even a great zombie mm-hmm. movie. Um, but 
you know, it's, it's the camp that I'm here for. Mm. And I expect it to pay out in spades. Right. So I'm expecting to enjoy it. Um, I'm not, I'm not sure how much I'm going to enjoy it, but I'm expecting to at least enjoy it and have fun with it. Um, I mentioned to you guys when we talked about this earlier, uh, my first exposure to this film was on a bootleg VHS. So the entirety of the film was <laughs> super dark. I could barely see anything. And there were randomly people walking across the screen. I thought they were zombies. Um, I was surprised when I bought the DVDs. Um, there was no but, reason to have a bootleg VHS because this, they were practically giving these movies away. There were so many. This is true. This report. This movie. This movie was <laughs> hypersaturated at the time, but it, it fit with that late '90s aesthetic that just went so well with your monster energy drink and your extreme sports. This is true. I. I, yeah, I will, whatever. I'm gonna. I'm gonna add one more piece of trivia to this. Go I, ahead. Add away. Add away. Do you need a hug, Kevin? <laughs> Um, the, uh, for, on the soundtrack of this movie, uh, and all the subsequent resident evil movies in the closing credits, it always plays the end of heartache by kill switch engage, uh, which, uh, the version is referred to as the resident evil mix. The only noticeable difference between the original version and the resident evil mix is the fact that there, the, on the second half of the verses, when the guitars start getting a lot more chunky, uh, in the normal song, that's when Howard Jones, the singer at the time for a resident for a kill switch engage, uh, would start screaming the lyrics instead of singing them. Cause he, he was in one of those bands that did both the screaming and the singing, mm. uh, in the resident evil mix, uh, there's no screaming or the, it, they they pushed it so far in the background and had him sing over the top of the screaming uh, to make it more oh, wow. commercially ap- appealing to the non-metalcore crowd. Okay, then. Well, you guys have heard our expectations. We want to hear from you guys. What are your expectations if you're watching this? Uh, that'll be kind of fun. Uh, message us. Let us know what your expectations are before you go and watch it. So that being said, ladies and gentlemen, we're off to watch a movie. Yay. Follow the rabbits, boys. Let's do it. Dear listeners, this is your opportunity to escape. Our crew has just entered into the media projection chamber. What horrors and madness that they consume are unknown. Their mental state upon their return is unknown. You have been warned. Mmm, anybody want some pizza? Why? Are you offering? I'm hungry. I had a pizza for breakfast, bro. Oh, wow. Nice. All right, guys. Well, we just came out of the movie, and um, time for our spoiler-free conversation about. When it. do we watch number two? This, huh? And the toilet, because I can't watch that movie and not watch the set the sequel. I'm not gonna lie. I, I'm kind of in the same boat. It left me going. I want to watch the sequel now. <laughs> Kevin, did you want to watch the sequel? No. <laughs> 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 i'll say this for me watching this film it was nostalgic for me for a degree but um it felt the nostalgia was the fact that it felt like it was 2002 the entire oh, time sure. like it is so grounded like the fl- there were flashback scenes in it throughout the entire thing i'm like 
Did you guys ever watch Witchblade? No. On TNT? No. 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 Kevin, did you watch that? I, we were too dirt poor to have cable. Understood. So I watched it at people's houses, but um, got it on, on, on DVD years later. But um, it the, the this that that was a very 90s way of doing like this fast pace uh, motion blur with like the blown out lights. And it's like toned to blue completely. Yep. It like, sucked then and it sucks now. <laughs> but it's just it's super grounded in that time frame. Like you're not going to there's not an evergreen aspect to it going in like oh mo they made this a few years ago no it's it's clear this was made back in like 2002 with planning and probably some technology that was made back dated to like 99 i think because everybody was copying and doing the same freaking thing on their music videos on movies and everything else yeah there there definitely was a stylistic feel during that time period that permeated uh this type of um entertainment um it's very it's not dissimilar to the remake of of House on Haunted Hill that they did ar- around the same time period and Dracula 2000 and like super stylish horror films mm-hmm. um, with the goth industrial soundtracks to them. Yeah. Um, Kevin looks like he's chewing back bile as I'm talking about these movies. Uh, <laughs> no, I've just, you know, when you see these things over and over and over and over and over and over and over again and again, it's like nonstop. It's like, good Lord. I hated it. That guy really traumatized you, man. And it's like this movie, just like oh, this movie again. And this time I actually <laughs> sat and watched the full freaking thing. Right. Not going to lie. Like you say, it took me three freaking days to get through this film. Wow. That good, huh? Yep. I would have much more fun jamming an ice pick on the side of my head while banging it across a concrete wall. That was in the second movie. I think it was. Sure <laughs> 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 no, I think about it. I, I think it actually sure is. <laughs> that was in the second movie. <laughs> so, um, just kind of an aspect about the zombies. Because when you watch zombie movies, you got to talk about the zombies because you have every zombie film is a little bit different how they approach it i appreciated the main zombies um that they were kind of more of your traditional slow moving um I, i'm annoyed with the movies where they have zombies that just like run like crazy and they're like aren't you dead no i feel good i mean it's just it works I, for certain films not all films certain films it yeah. works for like a favorite of mine, even though they don't call it zombies, is that British movie, which I know John Hur you already. Twenty eight days about. later. Thank oh, you. Yeah. That works fantastic by Danny Boyle. That's um, the only fast paced ones I've ever seen that it worked. World War Z was a one that was showing it doesn't work because they're just like like ants, and I guess that was his style, but whatever. Mm-hmm. Um what was it? There was another zombie film. Um the Land of the Dead or the uh, the one Zack Snyder did, it worked. Okay, really? Yeah, that worked for you. That worked for me in the Zack Snyder one, and I was like, mm. okay, he wanted to do something a little different. I like the zombies when they show it in this movie, like forty minutes later. <laughs> um, I can I can get on both sides of the fast zombie slow so- slow zombie argument 
Um, I uh, personally, mm-hmm. you know, there, there was a time period when I would argue with people one side or the other, um, yeah, at, mm-hmm. at this, it works either or at this juncture, it's, it's personal preference. I, I can, I think it's a matter of uh, maybe Kevin, you brought up a great point. It's kind of dependent on the application and how they do it. This, it works because the haunted mansion closed indoor. So it kind of makes more sense instead of fast paced ones. I will say that, uh, w- what really brought me to be at equilibrium with both sides of the argument um, was reading a book actually. uh, And I highly recommend it. It's called plague of the dead by ZA wretched. And that's a name. And well, he, he's no longer amongst the living himself. Uh, Oh, wow. But uh, in his book, there's it's a, it's a virus as it is in a lot of modern zombie takes um, called the, uh, morning star virus and basically people who contract the virus and are turned from contracting the virus without dying they're the fast zombies they're the people who have living neural tissue in their bodies and mm-hmm. whereas if you were to kill the organs that typically support your body like the heart or whatever and then you experience physical death then when you re- mm-hmm. then your body would resurrect as a slow zombie until you separate the uh, uh destroy the brain basically right. so it i it, i it, it makes sense to have both in the same world yeah and and uh, i i want to add to that when we get to the spoiler section actually if you don't mind okay so uh, any any more spoiler free thoughts on the film itself, production style, shots, anything? I, like I the, did like the production style. I mean, I would say that I did like because they use onset locations in Germany and mm. um, undisclosed Nazi shelters that they painted over. Really? Right. Yeah, those were those were previously Nazi shelters that they um actually got from Germany from underground other play areas. They painted or scraped it off and so forth because they realized, oh, we didn't know these samples were still here. We should scrape those off. <laughs> that That's actually a piece of trivia I didn't already know, Kevin. So thanks for bringing that to the conversation. You're welcome. Um, I, but I, yeah, he got his dirt cheap. He's like, they practically almost gave it to them. The only thing they paid was like the blood they splatter in CGI because the CGI was top notch well <laughs> for the time period it was i mean yes it I, is I, because I will, I will say that the cgi in this is certainly better than that that was in mortal Kombat and mortal annihilation Kombat. oh my gosh <laughs> <laughs> they learned even, some lessons even the cgi the the plastic dog was better looking than the cgi'd uh reptile um in uh, mortal Kombat. but I, w- I will say that i did enjoy the use of colors in this movie this was a this yeah. was a very colorful horror film. That's uh, a uh, red and black, kind of. There were there okay. were some they, selected they actually, scene shots. They, they did this yeah the scenes were slick and they were also um very well lit. So I would say that. Yeah, there was a. I would say colorful, p- but very well lit because a lot of movies like let's make it so dark they're confused by what they're watching. Yes. And and thank you for that annoys me when it's so dark you can't tell what's going on. There was a scene I think it was probably one of the the more suspenseful scenes for me was uh, when they're in the the mirrored hallway. Actually, Dallas, Dallas, lasers. Dallas, that's getting yeah. into specifics. Let's jump to spoilers and you can finish that. Uh, these people don't care. And there's do an it. order and structure to things, Kevin. Ladies and gentlemen. 
the spoiler section. All right, we are in the spoiler section. Dallas finished that thought with the lasers and the mirrors. Yeah, so there's there's a scene where they're and it's right at the beginning of the movie. And actually, it's funny because at the end of the scene, I write down, "Oh, good, we've accomplished the mission. Now the movie starts." But um, <laughs> the, <laughs> but they um, they're in this mirrored room leading to where the uh, Red Queen's um, com- uh, CPU is at, and that scene to me was dynamic. The way that it was shot, the the with the mirrors and everything like that, the how bright it was. And then the lasers, and I thought that that was a that was a cool scene that they did there for such a tiny space that they were creating the that feel for. In the beginning of the movie, that was basically the beginning mm-hmm. of the movie. The beginning was right when we were zooming in on that one guy in the in the suit and science scientist. Well, supposed to be a scientist guy getting the test tubes. That was the beginning. I'm talking about like like it's like 15 minutes into oh, the movie. No, no, I was because you said that the beginning. I was like, okay, well, I did like the I like the opening. I don't care about narration. Narration could just whatever. I I think it's right. dumb. But when he showed when he showed it, it showed it like this whole movie is shot in a music video style. Oh yeah, for sure. Oh yeah. This whole film is shot in a music video style because I'm not I'm after not, they started seeing what Michael Bay's done, it's like, oh my gosh, we can do that too. So they copied. I'm not I'm not entirely certain that this movie doesn't exist in the same universe as uh, Billy Idol's Rock the Cradle of Love music video. Okay, because everyone cares about that. But anyways, hey, cool crap on my joke, yeah. Evan. That's fine. Yeah, because everyone knows what they're what you're talking about, Mister Forty Five Year Old Guy. I'm not forty five, you jerk. <laughs> you older, Kevin? We, you will be by the time people listen to this episode. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> so, I will. <laughs> Hopefully, I don't oh, know. <laughs> I'm still living. So. The T virus doesn't get me by then. <laughs> Lord, if I get so. it, you guys can kill me. <laughs> but we have to wait until then, right? Yeah, I know you gotta wait. That's so freaking long. I know. Poor people. So, but anyways, they, um, the guy throws like this DNA-shaped tube, releases the chaos yeah. and so forth, and then all, all you get the deadly gas release. The elevator falls, planes fall out of the sky. John Howard, you actually enjoys walking, and the world's coming to an end in this scene. <laughs> You did all that all that setup just to fat shame me, Kevin. I kudos to you, sir. Lord. Well, I know how much you enjoy walks in Texas. <laughs> oh my all gosh. Right. So I I will say this the with the opening scene. I, I enjoyed the like Kevin said, just the the way that they kind of walked you through how everything was happening and um and that that was legitimately a pretty suspenseful like intro like they just threw you right into the into the death and murder um of leaving you wondering what's going on what i did not like was right afterwards when you're in the mansion with alice and like i I, i'm trying to like i know what's happened because i've watched so many times i'm trying to remember what it was like for me the first time i watched this film going why is she so confused like like because it took forever for me to the fact that she had amnesia why is she waking up so beautifully makeup Hair done, <laughs> perfectly posed on the ground with a shower curtain perfectly covering certain areas. It was like because censorship. Yeah, no, 
<laughs> no first <Dallas>. thing, <laughs> there was no censorship in this movie i'm sorry oh it, it, it was it was actually very heavily censored by a lot of the studio because everything he was doing is like nope too passive it can't it won't be r it won't be r so i know but, but I, was, i'm just i'm just saying th- this is a movie where mila mila jovovich is very much an exhibitionist and you know it it, it pushed my envelope when i first saw when i bought this movie really? it was so fast it was like boom you blink and you miss it i'm like oh okay well barely I, it was I, not even a half second well i'm sorry i apparently didn't blink at the right scenes then because <laughs> <laughs> well she wakes up and she sees the victoria's secret laundry just lying on the bed and these and what's the, what's the first thing she wears is that red stupid dress here it is in cold weather she opens the drawers white clothes look like fully coloring um uh, not coloring covering everything and she's like no i'm just gonna wear it with the black leather boots and this lingerie dress i'm like okay you're you're pleasing the teenage boys it's night john was there a character that looked like that in the game ada wong okay which game was did she come up in? all of them oh start so from the beginning there's a character mm-hmm. like that okay it just didn't make sense to me i mean again right. I'm not playing a game, watching a movie, but if you're right there and she's right there, like shivering, freezing, which it was cold where they were at. Mm-hmm. I'm just like, put some clothes Why on. Why didn't you find get, a parka? Yeah, find something. You you open <laughs> several drawers with clothes. In fact, you open the drawer with the gun thing. I'm pretty sure you could smash it and get the guns out. Very much. I did have a note here. It was like, why didn't she grab something heavier to wear when she got up? Because the script said to wear the dress. <laughs> and the director was secretly falling in love for his future bride. Did they get married? Really? Yeah, they did. I did not yeah, know that. They, they got married in what the second movie when the when Resident Evil Two came out. They got married, and they've been married since. That's why, like every movie he does, she's in it in some way. Aside, yeah. well, you see, I don't know much about her because aside from the Resident Evil series, the only movies I've ever seen that have had her in it was, uh, um the the fifth element and then uh the fourth kind oh really yeah they also did another video game movie you would enjoy called monster hunter i hadn't seen it i legitimately wanted to watch that i didn't get a chance to i wanted to it wasn't good no it was horrible is it in our dumpster uh possibly (laughs) Although my review is on YouTube, you can watch online. I shall. Go Actually, you know what? I remember listening to that. You're go right. Check out the Dapper Man on YouTube for more information on that. See links in the description <laughs> below. Oh my gosh, that's so funny. So, so but a yeah, lot you, of things happen in this movie. A lot of talking. Oh, I'm sorry, John. I was about to say you see a lot of Mila Jovovich in this movie. Um. So I, I I will put that warning out there, uh, and it, it's not just the normal; it's pretty much everything. So yeah, um, actually, in the commentary, uh, and I, I don't Dallas, are you editing this episode? I can't. Yeah, I will. Uh, it's rated R. I understand that, dude. But like in, in the commentary, when Mila Jovovich is watching this movie, there's a part where at the end where she rolls off the table where she's covered with that piece of paper. Oh, and then you, and yeah, she, and you and see she, the whole front end. And then she's like, and there's my vagina. 
it, it was an accidental shot, but they left it in the movie. And I'm like, why would you leave that in the movie? There's no reason to leave that in the movie. Right. It's probably because the first time when they filmed it, they didn't see it was, it was trying to keep it shadowy until when it's actually on the bigger screen, because again, they was using film. This whole film is made with actual film. So yeah. that's a plus right there. And you did digital. You're, they're like, okay, there's no, there's not going to be any digital reconstruction for this scene because she's walking. And when you do the monsters, that's when you you, you hire the digital people because it mm. would cause more costly. Right. And so, no, but it I mean, was digitalized. You could literally cut that scene. They, they, they could have, but it was already too late by the time the editor did everything because, again, the editor just like edits what he thinks is important. And the scene just kept going. So they're like, mm. oh, it would seem kind of weird to. As someone who, who, who edits for a living, I can tell you it's very easy to, when you're just moving fast, you got a deadline to miss small details. And like it, honestly, I didn't even recognize that until you had warned me about it uh, later. No, oh. like honestly, I was like, "Oh yeah, sure enough." I didn't recognize it until I watched the bigger television. And my turn was just like, "Oh hey, okay." Well, there is one thing I, I would say I would appreciate. Okay, even though I, I already think I'm already telling you what I feel about this movie, but how I appreciate is the film. I like when movies are made in film and mm. not digital. And this was actually a mil- thirty-five millimeter. No, 55. There is definitely Crap. a... I forgot a which one. I, th- I want to say, but yeah. That may be what I was talking about earlier when I said uh, that I appreciated the colors in this movie. Because um, mm-hmm. I, I, there's a warmth that film adds to the color palette of oh, a yeah. movie. Celluloid. Celluloid does amazing wonders towards film compared to digital. Or even compared to tape, you know? I mean... Yeah. So, you know, there, there, there's something to be said about that. And I think that might be the, what I'm picking up, what I'm trying to con- convey when I say I appreciated the color palette that, that mm-hmm. this movie provided. It was just, there's a certain warmth to the color that yeah. is not often seen in movies these days. I have a note here. Um, it was uh, more towards the later on when they're running away and they're on the pipe. Mm-hmm. There's something about that scene that always sticks out to me. There's a, there's a richness to it. Even though they're in a, a gray room with gray pipes and a couple colored wires and Zambies everywhere, there's a richness to that scene. And I really think it's a matter of, of the film grain that's mm. there. Um, because like Kevin's mentioned, there's something lost with digital recordings. I love digital recording. Uh, it's what I do on a weekly basis. Um, and But there's a, there is a very good reason why people spend hundreds and hundred dollars on on LUTs to make their digital film look like 35 millimeter <laughs> because it, there's a there's a feel that bring that brings a film together with when you use 35 millimeter because it costs even more to get the film it's like good god i can mm-hmm. never i might as well just go digital all the way yeah and then just spit a couple hundred dollars on a good LUT. <laughs> yeah <laughs> so so you did mention earlier about the fast edits that you liked the slow, fast movements, which I cannot stand. I hate it. I think it's the worst type of present presentation of storytelling and moving forward. Because well, after the mansion scene, they all start coming in. The chaotic music hits and everything else. I knew right then. It's like, yep, here comes that headache right there, pouring in, pounding on my head. Are you talking about the when they when they're explaining everything and they're just trying to get to the right to explaining the everything. They ha- they wear the gas mask and then they take it off because the gas mask I guess doesn't serve no purpose. I guess the, cool. the gas mask the gas had dissipated by that point. By that point, it's been uh, a couple hours that the gas had dissipated. 
Okay, well, they they break in, they take her, they take the guy who was right there, just like screaming about his identification. I I just mm, right then I knew I knew it I knew it was coming, and it just kept on rolling down the hill for me. <laughs> I feel like all the it, way to that laser grid scene. Yeah, that laser grid scene, so stupid. I love that scene. So stupid. It's like the laser all of a sudden had feelings like, you know what? I'm just going to screw around these guys. I'm going to go one laser at a time when the, at the end. When it's full, there's a full laser gray. It's like, you could have did the first time. What? You're paying by the laser now? Well, they established that Alice as an AI ha- has a She's a bit sassy and she's playing around. Uh, she she is remember modeled th- after a, like an eight-year-old girl, bro. So you got it. This is true. If, if an eight-year-old girl was trying to kill you, that all of that. All that I could see happening with the like lasers. at the end of the movie. There's a scene where Alice talks and like she releases the liquor, and um, and she goes, "I've been a bad girl." Like there's a there's a sass to the AI. I think she was legitimately playing with them. Oh, stupid! <laughs> it was dumb. I mean, I I know that when I watched this movie so many times and that scene happened. With these people, the roommates, they're like, I swear, it's like they cheered the same thing. And it's like they never got off it. They must have stayed 13 in their state of mind. It's like, yes, wow. I'm like, oh my God, I know what scene's happening right now in this movie. I can't say much because I, I that that laser scene, I do get, I do still get a sense of excitement for. It's, mm-hmm. it's an interesting concept. So it, the, whenever the laser, Patrick passes through the main guy and has, you see his face starts just to like melt his eyeball. Mm-hmm. That scene has stuck with me all my life. Not in a like I'm terrified, but just the the way they did that. It to me I found it fascinating. For me, which I, again Okay, go ahead, never mind. <laughs> for for me, I found it to be a, a kind of a more exciting interpretation of the clean room scene from the first uh Mission Impossible movie. Oh. Anyways, it was stupid military move to have a leader going first because any leader would have their soldiers going first and he goes and checks it. And then with the doors slowly shutting, he's like, oh, can't go through the door. The door is apparently slowly shutting, but I should not go through. Let me go back. I'm just like, again, so many stupid moves, so many stupid decisions. I wrote that down. I was like, why didn't you go into the room? Like the door is open. Clear the room like something. And he just he didn't like. It, that that legitimately didn't make sense. But again, that was just the again, my note. We've completed the mission. Let's start the movie. Like if they just they purely needed him to narrate what was happening to the world so they could start the actual movie. I think by the time that door shut, Joe Biden would have finished his speech. <laughs> Honestly, I think that it's like I said in my expectations, this isn't a good movie. I mean, I'm not, I'm not here to convince anybody of that. This this movie is enjoyable just because it's so schlocky, Um, much like the rest of the franchise. Yeah. Um, Enjoyable. Hey, you know what, Kevo? It's not your cup of tea. Um, No, it's just not anybody's cup of tea. It's just, this is, I think I've, I, I think I've already demonstrated that it can be other people's cup of tea. I mean, it's not it's a it's a horrible cup of tea. It's a terrible cup of tea. It's English breakfast. I mean, I've I've slowly I've slowly come around on Fatal Deviation. It took me, you know, a year, several months post the f- since when I've been warming up to it with having all the since when 
fun. Much in the same way of having all the in-jokes after you get done watching Napoleon Dynamite. I've had more fun poking at that movie after the fact than I did watching Napoleon it. Dynamite's funny. I'm not going to lie. We were talking about Failed Deviation last night at dinner with my friends. <laughs> we were talking about fatal deviation bro with we, my friends we were talking about fatal deviation in the last episode of the gundam watch we did <laughs> we did indeed we even did a little skit about fatal deviation in the pre watch for the gundam watch so for for those of you interested in the gundam watch is the podcast where john myself and branson uh talk about mostly gundam and um and my sister actually also is on that on on those episodes where we're talking about Gundam Wing. Check that out description. I'll link in the description. Thanks for the plug in, Dallas. Hey, You're we plugged welcome. your hey, stuff. You plugged Dapper Man. <laughs> anyway, uh, so yeah, chaos ensues. Other zombies get let out because people are dumb. Uh, Michelle Rodriguez got infected. Big. Sp- shocker there michelle rodriguez yeah, when, when did she ever not die in a film <laughs> she, she's like she's like the female version of uh um what's his face so that brit suddenly can't remember his name sean bean yes sean sean, 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 bean, sean bean. yeah that man she yeah it's like just, you see him like he is going to die you see her she is going to die not only is she going to die but she's also going to be a jerk throughout the entire movie like is she choosing these plots? Like if she's like, hey, I'll, this is the type of character I want to play, or is she being typecasted at this point? Yes, she probably is being typecast. But she she wanted to be in this film. She, yeah. In fact, this was the first thing she signed on for. Like she put it for her um, scout hunter or whatever. It's like if there's anything that pops up for Resident Evil, I want in it. And because oh. of her, it's like, well, he specifically wrote a part for her because she really wanted this so bad. Wow. Which I say, she was the one. She was probably the only person. I enjoy this movie besides um, that other Brit actor, Colin Salmon, the one who got sliced to death. Mm. Those two I liked. Those two I liked in this movie. Um, I did not like Mila Jovovich. I did not like her. She every, you could replace every scene she does and it's still exactly the same. She gives the same blank face. Like, what am I doing now? Do I do expression? (laughs) Do I have feeling? No, I'm a Swedish model. All I know is how to look pretty. Here, look at my scene. Look at my scene. Look at my scene. It's like expression, feelings, so something. I, you know, I didn't mind pretty much anybody in this movie with the single exception of the brother of the re- reporter lady. That oh, <laughs> that guy. That, <laughs> that guy had the acting talent of a soggy diaper. I mean... <laughs> I, I mean, was you never understood like how he even got there. He was a police officer for Raccoon City. Was he something that yep. something that probably explains better in video games that we'll never get in the movie? Mm-hmm. And that's whatever. Because it's a movie, Did you guys so have problems? Maybe this kind of segues into one of my issues. I ran into the movie. A lot of the important talking bits where they explain what's happening, they they were quiet. Like. <laughs> That's really quiet. That's modern. That, that That's my frustration with a lot of modern uh, movie making when it comes to the sound design mm-hmm. is that the dialogue gets pushed so low down in the mix that when you get it to a comfortable volume, then all the uh, big explosion and action, action pieces are over loud. Um, 
it, it's balanced out for theater dynamics, but when you try to watch it on a home system, they I don't think they remaster it to be more effective in a in a home theater situation. I I have a I have a Adobe 5.1 surround sound system in my house right now. Mm-hmm. And I had to crank it up to hear that whole conversation between Matt and Alice where he explains who the crap he is and what is happening. Like the the big pivotal, oh, this is what's happened, why everything's gone to crap here. I had to crank it up to hear those words. Mm-hmm. It, for it, dramatic purpose. <laughs> that's, what, that's what they tell you on set. Dramatic purpose. It quiet on set. They're talking. <laughs> it, it, it frustrates me because it puts such an emphasis on the action pieces rather than the narrative, which mm-hmm. fine, but it, it works in the theater, but it doesn't work in the home. It, it needs to be the sound needs to be remastered for home consumption, I think. And and it's not just for this movie. Uh, mm-hmm. It's for all movies. Now, fortunately, my new TV that I bought last year, my 4K, uh, mm-hmm. has a uh, setting on it where it can emphasize speech. Oh, neat. So it, it regulates it a little bit, but we I still run into that from time to time. Hmm. So sounds like an old man issue. I want to point out to the rest of the world that Kevin is only two years younger than me. So every time he points his finger at me, he's got three more pointed right back at him. And looking at the camera, That's true, but I can do a backflip. <laughs> he said, I could do a backflip. <laughs> I can do a. Can you ride your bike with no handlebars, Kevin? I actually can, Mr. Flowbots. I can ride my bike with no handlebars. With no handlebars. No handlebars. No look at me and look at me, hands in the air like a free to be. <laughs> Dallas is like, man, I gotta keep editing this podcast episode. No, he doesn't have to edit that. Nah. That's a great song. Oh my gosh. Um. So. Yeah. So. Um, I was going to. No, go, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Go, 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 go. The the big reveal of of the the quote unquote big baddie of the movie, um, that that felt awkward. Also, where he was just like, "Oh, I was going to kill everybody," and you know, Mila, this is your Alice. This is your opportunity to come with me right now. And when she doesn't, he's like, "I'm already missing you." I'm like, that was just awkward writing, in my opinion. It was last minute reveal, like, hey, we're dropping this out of the hat. Look, are you shocked? No. Anybody shocked at this? You're like, okay, that was random out of left field. It just, mm, no, I did. There, mm. that that was not a plot twist. That was Mm-mm. that was a slow. That was a plot <laughs> roundabout that was clearly signaled for five hundred feet back, mm-hmm. because nobody in the U.S. knows how to drive in a roundabout. Right. <laughs> Speak for yourself, mate. You're not. For, you know that's because you're all British, <laughs> all around the world. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, the, the with our our big villain, one of the things um, I want somebody to dub in is when uh, it's after uh, he's been attacked by the liquor, and Mila's coming for the case, and then he's like, "Up, oh, I'm." He's he's like attacking her. I want somebody to dub in some uh, the voice going. I'm not dead yet. <laughs> I feel happy. <laughs> I feel free. free. <laughs> to me, that would make that scene just 
Primo. <laughs> Maybe we can work that out. <laughs> this is a special Great. edition. <laughs> oh, I'm not dead. <laughs> yes, you are. How many As times Mila. they did that in this movie? <laughs> Someone dies and they come back and it's like, oh, I really wasn't dead. And it's like, okay. So apparently uh, in that scene, Looking at you, though, Michelle Rodriguez. <laughs> in that scene, uh, Mila, of course, throughout the entirety of the film, she had a bad habit of not pulling her punches. She actually hit and kicked a lot of the extras there. But in that scene, she actually hit the dude with the axe. Um, apparently, you would see that the camera had been a little bit lower, but she straight up smacked him in the back of the head with the, with the rubber axe when she did that scene. Oh, good thing it's rubber. I'm like, what the <laughs> frick? <laughs> but yeah, she had a hard time not pull, or pulling her punches. Did anybody laugh when she kicked the dog? No. I'm like, I felt bad. I'm, I'm, I, I felt bad for the pups the entire time. But when they had the, because it, it, it was clearly a rubber dog that they threw in the air at her, and then she kicked it, and like it was just so rubbery. I was like, I laughed at that scene the entire time. I felt bad for the pups, uh, which those are real dogs, Why? by the way. Yeah, they put it's, all that stuff on, and the dogs kept licking it off, and they had to keep reputting. So they had to do this scene like so many different takes because they wouldn't stop licking it off. Yeah, this is like made with some sugar syrup substance. Yeah, they actually um, no animals were harmed in production of this film to the point that the dog handler had to test the uh, the breakaway glass to make sure it wasn't hurt the dogs. So he he shoved his face into the glass and broke it first before he let them have the dog do it. So I appreciate okay, the that, uh, the commitment to protecting the animals. <laughs> well, at least Peter wasn't around to find some sort of excuse. Right, Peter, people eating tasty animals. Yeah, mm. I want a pizza now. I had you that just for had breakfast, pizza dude. at the beginning, or no? I said that was John. Well, you know. We could always have a taco, but someone keeps launching it out in space. Well, that's because <laughs> we let people give it bad logic or we load stupid crawl games onto it or I did not load nothing on that. You ordered it that way. Well, I'm saving us from corruption, sir. One day the freaking thing will be fixed and I can actually enjoy a taco. One, One day. day. Speaking of the Kroll video game, my father-in-law commented on that, that thing about the about the Kroll game. Mm-hmm. And he goes, that is a terrible game. <laughs> Thank you, Bobby. <laughs> Thank you so much, Bobby. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, I feel like we're rambling now. Does anybody else have anything else they want to say about this film? Cut scene the movie. Cut scene the movie? <laughs> it's basically That's a basically movie of cut scenes. This is like you're putting all the cut scenes into a video game. You're making two movies. You could have cut off at every scene, and it was like picking it right back up to whenever you did your action um, scene. When you had to go shoot all these zombies, or you had to go solve a puzzle, or go down a hallway, and so forth. And then, right, that scene ends. Next scene ends. Okay, begins. That's I. I, I hadn't thought about that, but that is true. I, I. I don't know. I enjoy this movie. We got to rate. We got to rate this. I will. I will say. You know, if you're gonna watch this, just go through the whole series. Mm-hmm. I will say that too. Like it is a, it feels like you're only like a part way through a, a movie. When it by ends. the time it ends, mm-hmm. like you have to at least watch the second movie. Yes, in my opinion. So, all right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, those are our thoughts on the film. But what are our final rating? Um, 
John, tell people about our final rating time. But I'm I oh our final rating. I'm sorry. I was about to say I'm 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 captivated to find out what Kevin is going to rate this movie as. Uh, <laughs> but uh, no, the we are in the rating section where we pass final judgment on this film. We rate it amongst four different categories. First category is the top shelf where we believe that this movie is actually a good movie. We don't understand how it got labeled as being a poor movie. And we would recommend this movie to anybody to watch. Um, Middle shelf is we can understand why it got labeled as a bad movie, but we still found some enjoyment in it. Uh, wouldn't necessarily recommend it to everybody, but you know, there's always, you, you can definitely see some scenarios where it, it would be worth a recommend. Uh, mm-hmm. Bottom shelf is yes, this is a bad movie. Uh, uh, we, uh, we didn't like it or found very little of uh, redeeming nature to it. And, uh, but it's worth having around for, some reason so let's keep it around i guess and keep the outlaws the in-laws away from the house like hey (laughs) you want to come visit yeah let's pop this moon okay bye and then there's the final rating which is the dumpster fire which let it burn this movie is so god-awful we need to wipe it from existence ever and as far as we're aware no movie has ever made it into the dumpster fire true story well then Mr. Burnham, is this a top shelf movie or like your name? Does it need to burn him? <laughs> it's blatantly dumb. It's numb mining. It's stupid. It's ridiculous. Um, if it wasn't, if it really, really was not for the production value, and I, I would put it in the dumpster fire, but I put it above the shelf. That's fair. That's legitimately fair. I mean, seriously, that's the only thing. If it was not for the production value, and if it wasn't for the way how it was lit, Mm -hmm. I would have I would have thrown this in a dumpster fire. Kevin, I gotta ask. I I can see there was some form of ambition. There was some form of even a small amount of passion because W. S. Anderson, when he got this project, and he knew that George A. Romero wasn't actually directing this because George A. Romero script. Which I have sent to both of you previously. Mm-hmm. It was like another George Avery Mill script. So that's, the, I can see the reason why it's become successful. Mm-hmm. People got so used and tired of seeing a George Avery Merrill zombie, even though he's a master at it. Mm-hmm. They just got tired of seeing it. There was like, they, they, they were in need, filmmaker, um, film goers, movie watchers were in need of a different type of zombie. So I could see why this became successful, not just because it's based, well, very vaguely, lightly based on a video game by Capcom, mm-hmm. but because it was something different, and that's why. And I can understand. Kevo, I gotta ask: Did you see any of the other movies in the franchise after this? Um, if it was in the background of whatever they were playing at the house, sure. I don't know. All I know that I know they, pl- they played it all the way through. They were first in line when it came out. Mm. Wow. When it came, when a new movie came out. They they would both take off of work or whatever. They were right there at the very front at midnight when that was a thing for movie theaters was showing at midnight. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bought it on DVD, played it every day. They did like the, when you say yearly, I would say they did it monthly. Wow, I mean I that that's and excessive. Legion and Legion and all the other stupid um Saul films. 
I think they stopped at three, though. I don't I, know. I feel like you're 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 projecting a little bit of PTSD from from those situations on TikTok. <laughs> Maybe, but all know that that's all they ever watched. It, if it wasn't that, it was um him because he enjoyed heavy metal rock music all the time. She didn't care for it. She liked her country music and everything else, but there was a balance there. But when he played it, he blared that music up so loud, and I was like, "Oh God, I'm back in Gainesville." So. Just Everyone I know listens to heavy metal music except for me. Curious, Kevin. After right. after this podcast is over, not necessarily for an episode, but would you be willing to, with an open mind, kind of approach it the same way that that John approached the um, open mind is a pathway the to Battlefield Satan. Earth? Um, <laughs> would you be willing to watch at least the second movie, uh, just to get that wrap up? Not not for a review, not for review purposes, but just to watch it. And 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 see how that works out. I'm curious if that would help your opinion of the of the series as a whole. I guess <laughs> at your leisure. Don't have to get it done next week or anything like that. But just like pop it in and just give it a shot. Okay, but like I said, I wanted to enjoy this movie more, despite from previous people that played this movie nonstop. I was like, oh, whatever. But right. when it, when that when that scene happened. I knew it was kicking in. That very scene when they started kicking in, the music was happening, and the fast edits and the slow and the fast pace and the blurry. I'm like, yep, here it comes. Right. Migraine city. <laughs> well, Johnny. Um I mean this this watch through was exactly what I expected it to be, just like the last one and the time before and the time before and so on and so forth. Uh this is a movie series. This movie series is for me and my sister what Gundam Wing is for Dallas and Demira. Oh. So cool. there there's a lot of sentimental value I have on this. However, if I'm going to give this a fair rating and not include sentimentality to it, I would have to put this on the middle shelf. Mm-hmm. Um, I can appreciate why people don't like this movie. Um, I can appreciate the critiques people have on this movie. Um, even the first time I saw this movie, though, I still found things I liked about it. Um, I'm always a sucker for a decent zombie movie, and the zombies in this movie were decent. Um, you had the obligatory learning curve of, oh, you have to shoot them in the head before they die, you know, and all, all the zombie tropes that should be in any good zombie movie. Uh, the production value of this movie is fantastic. Um, I call it the color palette, but the more we talk about it, the warmth of the actual film Mm -hmm. itself shines through and creates a nice, uh, a nice chromatic atmosphere to take in so yeah i'm gonna put it on the middle shelf that's fair it's fair um for me um I, I'm, I'm with um kevin the production value of it is is surprisingly well done like for a 90s film like the more we do these films i'm like man early 2000s like i i, I know that the 90s was the age of cocaine for producers but i just feel like some that was still like getting over the the addiction. every age is the age for cocaine <laughs> get it right <laughs> he's not it's wrong just, sir i mean the, do i have to, do I have to mention harvey weinstein to you yeah that's true <laughs> but the early 2000 movies there's there was something about them but the production value of this was really pretty good uh aside from a couple of things like 
I think a lot of it actually holds up pretty decently. And um, and in Cards on the Table this this year for the bottom shelf, we're we're kind of doing our guilty pleasure films. These are films that were, were notoriously terrible, but one of us likes them. And this is this was one of the ones on my list. Um, but I went into the film going, okay, let's be honest, let's be real about this. And um, now that I've played at least a, f- a few minutes of the original, uh, well, not the original, I'm playing the remake of Resident Evil Two. I can see the complaint about this is not really a horror movie. It's more of a sci-fi action with a with elements of horror to it. Agreed. Um, so I can see the complaints. I think people who went into it going looking for the game, I understand their frustration. Completely understand their frustration. But it's still a fun movie. Like, like I said, I, I watched it about four years ago and I enjoyed it. I it left me going, I want to watch the second movie. Mm-hmm. So um, it's not dumpster fire. It's certainly not top shelf. No, um, no, sir. At all. <laughs> I, I, I question the person who would put it on the top shelf. Um, much like Kevin questions how we put uh, Killer Clowns of Outer Space on the top shelf. Because it's fantastic. But, <laughs> I will put this on the middle shelf. All right. So we have a contested middle shelf. For our rating. Awesome. We do indeed. Yep. So if you want the advice of a real film critic, it's a bottom shelf. But if you want the advice <laughs> of not real film critics, it's a middle <laughs> shelf. Look at Kevin pulling rank on us. I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Kevin's like, which one of you guys have a, a YouTube channel devoted to? Which one of movies? you have has an actual membership to... Uh, uh, <laughs> Under the, an accepted, maybe to have traveled the world and experienced the reality of space and time. <laughs> I don't have enough money for space, but maybe I swim. You could just hook me up with Jeff Bezos. Maybe that can make that happen. <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, ladies and gentlemen, we want to know your thoughts. Did you like the film? Where do you put it? Top, middle, bottom? Uh, are you lighting it on fire as we speak and pulling out the video game? Because gosh darn it, tank controls are your thing. Uh, let us know. And if you like tank controls, who hurt you? Are you okay? Do you need counseling? Um, What's so, tank controls? Tank uh, controls was the control system that they used for the original uh, Resident Evil games. Uh, it was taken out of the remake, which is the reason why I pushed Dallas into the remake, because you would be in a scene. You would have to turn your character the direction you wanted to go and then push the up button to make them walk forward because the whole because each each room had a fixed camera in it. So to give it a horror film. That's the old PlayStation style without yeah. the, without the little, um, we call that pad. What do you call that? D pad or something? The, without the, without, without yeah. the analog sticks. Yeah. Yeah. I, I remember that stupid control. I remember yeah. I, when I played that. I, I think I only played like maybe 30 minutes of the game. I was like, yeah, I'm definitely not playing this ever. <laughs> yeah. It, it, once you got used to it, it was fine, but it was a, bear to get used to that's the reason why i always recommend the remakes to people because they the, take the original tomb raider was rough mm-hmm. i recommend dino shock if people could afford it my dude <laughs> dino crisis dino crisis 
<laughs> well, uh, that being as we're not even talking about the movie that we're discussing now, let's head on over to the weak connections area where Pastor Dallas can give us some spiritual wisdom because that both the other lunkheads on this episode forgot to do that. <laughs> no, I just didn't find nothing spiritual. I thought the Holy Spirit's like, stop watching this movie. <laughs> this is a weak connection. All right, ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Weak Connections. This is the portion of the show where we find some sort of weak spiritual connection to the film that we watch. Because let me tell you something, every movie has a message. It's just a matter of what it is and if you're willing to look for it. And I'm dumb enough to look for them. And so uh, <laughs> in this one, um, there's a, in, in the scene where Alice and uh, Matt and Alice's uh, fake husband are in the water and they're hanging out, he he says something interesting. Uh, Alice says that you know she she was going to try to fix it. She was going to try to make a change. That's why she was working to get them the information. And he said like that's stupid. Like why why would you put your hope in these people? Everyone's eventually going to fold. And it's it's a that's a pessimistic world mindset that I understand why people have, but it's not one that we should hold. We need to start developing a habit of seeing good in people, looking for good in people. Yes, I know that man is man and we need to be okay with the fact that, you know, they're going to screw up and they're going to let us down. But if we are actively looking for people to let us down, if we are actively looking for people to um, to harm us, we're going to see it where it's not. That's one of the biggest problems I have with um, a lot of things that take place in the world is people are so active looking for the other shoe to drop that they forget they could just pick up the shoe they already did and move forward. And we have to do, we have to train ourselves. We have to train ourselves to look for good in people, look for good in situations. Uh, I'm reminded of Philippians chapter four, verse eight. Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable. If there is any excellence, the word any, meaning like just look for a shred, any excellence whatsoever. If there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. We need to be actively looking for the good things in life even when it's rough, even when it's terrible, you may hate your job. You may utterly dislike the fact that you work at such and such place and you have these people, but you have a job. You have a source of income coming in. Be thankful for those small things. And the more that you learn to see the small things, the less that the terribleness that's around you will affect you and weigh your soul down. The more that you can be a light to those around. I'm not talking about walking around like, praise God, everything's good. No, because then you just look like a squirrel on, on crack or something like that. But I'm talking about having a positive attitude, having a positive mindset, because if you can do that, then when the stuff really hits the fan, when there's really is terrible things happening, it's far less likely for you to fall into a rabbit hole of depression and anxiety and fear because you have actively trained your mind to see the good and to find hope in every situation. And at the same time, you doing that brings hope to those around you. So that is my weak connection groovy cool i still don't have one how about you kevo all right well let's go ahead and land this uh ship here uh mine went blank as far as how to do that <laughs> uh, i wonder what this movie has done to you already <laughs> uh dallas where can people find you on the interwebs yeah, you can find us at geekdevotions.com where uh, you'll find everything that we do at Geek Devotions. We'll find uh, our weekly devotions we put out on YouTube every Friday. You'll find 
our podcast. This podcast, we read allegedly um, the the Gundam Watch. Uh, John does a couple segments for our other co- podcast, Com Talk, such as um, the supposedly just uh, supposed to have ended uh, Primitive Rhythm Machine, but he keeps putting out new episodes for it. And uh, Casual Gamer it's, Society, which it's the Tupac of podcast shows. <laughs> <laughs> it's hidden away in Cuba somewhere. Uh, and then, um, but Casual Gamer Society, which uh, will be the crossover area for where we'll be talking about Resident Evil 2 when I finally finish the game. Um, so that's where you can find me. And fun story, uh, you'll find an article where um, I talk about an article written about Geek Devotions. And uh, I'm going to say this publicly on this podcast. I want to say thank you to John and Kevin. Thanks to you guys. You guys are part of the reasons why we're able to do what we're doing with Geek Devotions. Uh, you guys are lending your voice and your and your encouragement to speaking to people around the world. And uh, while the article itself was mainly about um, uh, the starting of, of Geek Devotions, we would not be where we are today without you guys helping us out. So I just want to say thank you to the both of you personally right now. Thank you, oh, and you're welcome. Okay. Uh, sorry, I have a hard time when people talk nice to me. Um all right, uh, Kevo, are you going to advertise today or you just say, look in the notes below? Look in the show notes below. Ah, there we go. All right, and as far as my stuff, go ahead and check out my link tree in the in the notes below as well to take a look at all my product, products, all my projects <laughs> rather, um, such as my band, Mezzanine. Um, as far as other shows, though, I'm going to forego my advertisement of my show and tell you to go check out The Dapper Man on YouTube, the TV uh, YouTube show where Kevin reviews movies. I can't recommend it enough. So go check him out. Sometimes he plays Kevin's videos at night to sleep. I haven't made a video for eight months. Doesn't matter, man. It's still entertaining and it's still there. My favorite. I one, will say my favorite episode is where you literally burned a copy of the fog. That I was is, just going to say I, the I'll same pull up thing. And laugh at that every time. <laughs> Cause it's so fun. I was talking about your show and that's the episode I took people to to watch because that was so funny when you just threw it on the barbecue pit and lit it on fire. <laughs> that thing would not light up. I, I I saturated that with gasoline and it still didn't want to light. I'm like, what am I have to do to light this thing up? Products <laughs> products from hell are immune to fire, Apparently, man. Apparently, that's, that's it's like the Ouija deal. board, man. It just keeps coming back. That's it's like Satan was like saying, "Don't fire this up." It's like, come on, burn. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much for listening to The Bottom Shelf. Uh, We certainly do appreciate uh, your support. And, uh, you know, if you've enjoyed this episode, uh, we want to encourage you to like, rate, and subscribe on whatever platform you listen on. That helps put us in front of like-minded individuals like yourself who might be interested in some wacky perspectives on terrible movies. Uh, And as always, uh, feel free to recommend us to friends because word of mouth is always the best promotion that being said i'm john he's been dallas and he's been kevin thank you for listening so long and thanks for all the fish good night everybody good night